Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, A Promise-Keeping God, and is based on Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. It was delivered on Sunday, June 19th, 2022, by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. Well, we're going to take a look now at Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, on page 841 in your pew Bible. So if you'd like to follow along, I encourage you to do so. We start in verse 26. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there were on the hillside a large herd of swine feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, They ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city, how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the man said, Legion, for he had demons. I want you to focus on that question. What is your name? throughout this whole sermon. Hold on to that question. What is your name? The man called himself Legion, but that wasn't his real name. That wasn't his true identity. No. Rather, that's what became of him. 
that was what happened to him. Luke uses the words um, demons or demon, evil spirits. It's descriptive, I think, of emotional and spiritual disturbance and fragmentation of people's lives. A reality all of us have experienced at some point. This man knows himself to be legion means the origins and appearances of these disturbances, which are many and real. At the time Luke wrote this gospel, legion actually referred to a Roman army unit of about 6,000 soldiers. So when I read a text like this, I think the man is disclosing this about himself, legion that is. He's saying, I have been overrun. I am divided and I am separated. I am fragmented and I am fractured. I am disrupted. I am overwhelmed. My life is broken into 6,000 pieces. I don't know if you've ever felt like that in the past. Maybe some of you feel like that now. We feel this way, and when we do, we, we are lost to ourselves. We, we really have no center. Um, we, we no longer understand who we are or what we want to be about. We live without an identity. And in many ways, we have been dispossessed of ourselves and of our humanity. Life has been shattered into pieces. We are alien to ourselves, and we are alienated from our lives. It leaves us feeling vulnerable and exposed, naked. That makes us uncomfortable and at times desperate. The man in Luke's story is all of those things, plus he no longer lives in a house in the city, but he lives in the tombs. Imagined or real zombies are his only friends. He is possessed and he might as well be dead to himself. But I have a question for you. What do you make of demon possession? Have you experienced this? Have you ever seen this play out in someone's life? I'll tell you the closest I ever got to it was in my former church in Manhasset when four sisters and their mother went to Italy for two weeks. The phone rings late at night and it's one of the sisters. And I can hear screaming and commotion and grunting and groaning in the background and the sister's explaining to me that her oldest sister has just been possessed by an evil spirit. Someone in Italy had given her a gift and with that gift, an evil spirit entered her body. I know. I was very skeptical for the first 20 minutes of this phone call, but then I started to think there was more to it. And as I'm hearing her screaming and crying and speaking whatever it was, I said, well, we need to pray. And so for the next hour, we prayed on the phone. I had no idea what I was doing. I just kept going back to Scripture and claiming the promises of Scripture and praying for God's peace to overwhelm them and, in God's own way, to send whatever spirit had possessed this sister to leave whatever that was and in time things did calm down but I have to say this when they returned from Italy no one ever talked about it they couldn't they couldn't explain it it was as if 
it would have paralyzed them to revisit this nightmare. Now, I know what you're thinking. Our rational minds just can't really accept that there's such a thing as demon possession. I'm skeptical myself. I mean, after all, we, we've seen Rosemary's Baby, the movie, you know, based on Ira Levin's novel. Some of you are shaking your head. No, I've never seen it. Maybe you don't want to see that movie. It's terrifying. And then uh, five short years later, The Exorcist comes out. But that movie is based on a real story from Mount Rainier, Maryland, of a 14-year-old boy who was possessed by a demon or demons. And it's documented that Jesuit priest Father William Bodern and Father Raymond Bishop performed the exorcism with success. And then, of course, all of this had gained literary and Hollywood notoriety. It sent a ripple effect throughout the consciousness of American citizens. So I don't know what to make exactly of demon possession. I was joking with Luke Canfield earlier this morning. If he became possessed by a demon, I'd have to send him to someone else because I wouldn't be exactly sure how to handle that situation. And then Luke said, well, Steve, if you could at least try, that would be most appreciated. (laughs) But I've had colleagues, in all seriousness, I've had colleagues who have led mission service trips to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in Shannon County of South Dakota. Some of you have probably been there. This is just south of the Nebraska National Forest and one of the poorest economic uh, counties in all of our country. And my colleagues have gone there and have been hosted by Our Lady of the Sioux Catholic Church and Brother Rene, who uh, has been one of the parish directors there for years. And Brother Rene is known throughout the Catholic world and throughout the ecumenical world as someone who has performed exorcisms. The Native American members of this parish have invited him out many times to exorcise the demons that have overtaken their homes or their spaces, their dwelling places, their bodies. And he has exorcised these spirits from these places, from these people. And Brother Rene saw this phenomenon as a vital part of his pastoral care ministry. was so successful at it, he is revered and remembered by thousands to this day. And every time he would go out and perform this exorcism, he would recall the words of M. Scott Peck who said, I know that Satan is real. I have met it. I have met it. Well, depending on your experience with evil spirits, demon possession, one thing's for sure in our Lucan account the demons recognize Jesus quickly as the Son of the Most High, as the one who can still the storm, walk over the deep, raise the dead, heal the sick, and then liberate those who are possessed. Jesus enters this space unafraid. He enters death with confidence, the tombs in which this man lives. He is not distracted by his craziness. He's He is not put off by his nakedness. He is not limited by the chains and shackles that have become um, this man's jewelry. 
Legion holds no power over Jesus, and Jesus knows the demon has no purpose or meaning in this man's unhinged life. God's liberating power calls him from the abyss and sets him free in the most unusual manner. And this is the part of the story that gets really nuts. There are pigs or swine nearby. And to this day, no one has ever been able to explain to me what this really means. I don't think it can be explained. I really don't. But anyway, there are pigs, swine nearby, and they're considered unclean, of course, according to Jewish tradition, to Jewish law teachings. So swine in this Gentile area were most likely being raised to feed the Roman soldiers who had occupied this area, and they had no qualms about eating pork or ham. And in Luke's uh, account, there are The number isn't really given, but Mark's account tells us there are 2,000 swine idly eating and grunting in the countryside. So interesting that Mark would put a number to it, right? The demons, knowing their fate against the Son of the Most High, cannot stand to be disembodied. So they request to enter the swine. The request is granted, and like lemmings, the pigs run into the sea and are drowned. What a scene. Who can explain it? Why go out this way? Why include the swine? We don't know. But what we do know is that Legion is no longer Legion. He is a liberated man. Christ sets him free from whatever the bondage was. But more than that, now he believes in and belongs to Jesus Christ. And this is the connection to our first lesson that Libby read so well for us in in Galatians chapter 3. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. There it is. Even the demoniac, the one everyone had rejected and put away, Even he became an heir to the promise of heaven. So Jesus comes in our text and and, and, and in our contemporary lives, I think, to bring liberation from sin, death, the power of the evil one. Whatever that looks like. Just as Jesus steps out on the land of this foreign country, the land of legion, he comes to us as the one with inner clarity, focus, and understanding. He is the embodiment of unity and completeness. He's the image of who we are and who we can become. That's why we continue to seek and follow Jesus, our teacher, our guide, our our Savior. He is and has the life that we want. As a deer longs for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. The story also makes us wonder what and how dark powers are manifested today. As it turns out, they come to us as individuals, but they also come to us collectively through structures, through processes, through policies of institutions 
and government as well as society as a whole. They come to us through committee meetings <laughs> and those details. They come to us in the things that can drive us nuts about each other and ourselves. Who can explain away the horrors of darkness? Is legion among us or within us? Who here doesn't cringe in the face of a perpetrator who enters an elementary school building with assault rifles and then shoots up the place, killing innocent children and school teachers? Who here doesn't despise what serial killers are capable of doing and do? We abhorred the, the Holocaust, dictators who purposefully starved their citizens in order to beat them psychologically into submission. We're overwhelmed by the number of malnourished and famished people and children throughout the world. We detest sexist, uh, racial, and ethnic hatred. Our hearts go out to the men, women, and children who are trafficked and abused emotionally and physically. We feel hopeless in the face of war as we see millions of refugees fleeing for safer horizons. And we're tired we're tired of those who reject others and are unloving because of their sexual orientation. We also struggle with personal evils within. Notice Jesus was not deterred by the screaming and the grunting and the groaning and the commotion. He launched a direct frontal attack on the dark and evil power that had taken control of legion. And in Luke 8.30, he asks, what is your name? What is your name? For me, that's the key question. He knew that in order to conquer this demon, this evil spirit, and to set this man free, he needed to name the offender outright. What is your name? How are we naming the offender today? How are we doing that? Some of us need to name it so we can move on with our lives. Some of us have to name it. We need to name alcohol and substance abuse. We have to, we have to declare what it is. And in AA meetings, what do we say? We say at an AA meeting, if you've ever been to one, the first thing you have to say is, I am powerless over this substance. I, I can't do it without you, God, a higher being. We need to name lying, not shading the truth. We need to name it cheating, not everybody's doing it. We need to name it uh, stealing, not this is one of the benefits of working here. We need to name it. One must, by God's grace, look the lie in the face and name it. What is your name? Demon. Alcohol. Jealousy. Hatred. Lying. What is your name? And as we do, we'll stand 
with Jesus, who really serves as a mirror, as a, 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 a version of our truest selves, the truth teller of who we really are, Jesus. He gives us back ourselves. He reveals to us the original beauty that was us, the idea of us, perfect and at peace and made whole. Only he can reveal a truth that challenges us at the places which our lives have become chaotic and disturbed in ways in which we are not true to ourselves. Those times when we have been crushed and devastated. I think most of us in this room know what it's like to be legion. I think most of us do. We can tell our story, and thankfully, we can tell the other part of our story, of the time when Jesus put us back together. We were a mess, but somehow by his grace, he put us back together, and we've never been the same. That's the story that he wants us to tell others. That's the version he wants us to be of our best selves, the one, the one that was broken but is made whole, is made alive. He wants us to share our story with the world. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So friends, let's leave this place and let's proclaim throughout the city of Grand Rapids and beyond just how much Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, we give you thanks for this beautiful day and for another opportunity to hear your word proclaimed. Just as it may be purely preached, we pray that your word is purely heard and that the Holy Spirit will move in us and among us so that the words we've heard this day may, through your grace, be so grafted within our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruits of the Spirit to the honor and praise of your most glorious name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.